0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's girl, T.T. from the D. Welcome to the Top of the Morning Show. It is a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day. I know here in the D, we are preparing. I hate to say it. Oh, my God. I hate to say it. we're preparing for six to seven inches of snow. I'm like, oh, my God. The last couple of Fridays, we either had a snowstorm or an ice storm. It's crazy when you think about it. We're in the month of March, and we know the weather can get kind of crazy and hectic at this time. But it's amazing how one minute it's 40 degrees, then the next minute it's 10 degrees, one minute it's sunny, the next minute it is throwing down outside, bowling with snowballs in the air. I'm like, what? is really going on here but you never know you got to prepare yourself daily to encounter whatever awaits us right we never know what tomorrow may bring we can speculate we can assume all these things but for children in most areas in the metro area at least they are excited because they got that call yesterday and you know you have to make that call you can't wait till the 19th hour they got that call They said, hey, we have a snow day tomorrow. So most people were like, Woo, yes, yes. And then my friends that's still in education, they're like, yes, honey, we have a snow day tomorrow. I'm like, that's what's up. So let me remind you, you have tuned into the morning show, the top of the morning show. You can catch us each and every morning from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Streaming on Anchor.FM, Spotify. Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, I believe Apple Podcasts, Breakers, iHeartRadio. Now, today's chosen topic, we're going to talk about trusting the process. Yeah, trusting the process. This is a popular topic simply because in life, we go through some things, right? No matter if it's in your family, if it's at your job, if it's at your school, if it's with your friendship circle, you're going to go through some things. And you have to learn to trust the process. Now, for people like myself, while we're learning to trust the process, we have to also learn to pray. Pray and wait. What? What they say, hurry up and pray and wait. Hurry up and wait, Right? That's just for people like myself that believe like, listen, I'm going to go ahead and take this to the throne. And we got to learn to drop it off. But see, sometimes people drop it off and when they leave, they pick it back up and they go. You're not really taking it to the throne and dropping it off. You're taking it to the throne. It's almost like taking a child with you somewhere somewhere. And sometimes I know kids can get on your last nerve, right? Like you be like, I don't have any more nerves. But you're not going to leave that child there. You, you're you not going to drop that child off. In your mind, you go like, oh, I should just leave you here or whatever, right? But you know you're not going to do that. Most, most parents ain't going to do that. So when you think about the things we take to the altar that we want to drop off, we got to learn to park. Get out. Lay that. Thang down, get back in our car, and proceed to leave. But it's funny if you think about it. It's almost like we trust ourselves more than we trust God. And you might say, What do you mean, TT? Well, because sometimes, you know, you I used people say things like metaphors and cliches and things like that. But I remember growing up and people they're sitting there and it's kind of like, okay, um, I think God might need my help. So I'm going to go on and I'm going to talk about what I need to do and what I wish would get done. But uh, I'm, I'm just going to wait. And it's like, you waiting on what? Because when you waiting on God, that's one thing. You're, you're trusting. You also, not only are you trusting the process, you're stepping out on faith. You're walking out on faith. And, you know, they say you walk by sight. No, walk by faith. I'm sorry. You walk by faith, not by sight. Imagine a person who is fully blind or legally blind. Every day when they walk unassisted or assisted, they're walking by faith. They're trusting for those that walk the same path every day. You know, they've counted. It's 20 steps to my corner. Hypothetically, they're trusting it's 20 steps. Now, when they're walking with those 20 steps every day that they're used to doing to get to the same spot every day, they're trusting that nothing will get, you know, distorted along their pathway. That there won't be an animal that they can't see, right? coming along that path will will knock off their 20 steps so they truly are walking by faith and not by sight and like I said I like to use metaphors and things like that but we really really are in a time in this world where we have to really trust the process The mornings are long and tiring, rising up, you know, one thing I don't have to do this morning, I don't have to pack Cody's lunch, I don't gotta get ready to drop him off, it's just, they got a snow day, and I'm like, ugh, I miss snow days, in my former job, this would have been an exciting morning. I would have got that call last night, like yes, and it's not even a virtual working from home. It's a we just got a snow day. Now, the the other thing about it, at the end of the school year, you got to make that up because of the clock hours. So you could be laughing now, you might cry later, because people are like, "I'm ready to start my summer," but we got to stay in because we have 45 snow days. Last year, during the school year, right? And some snow days are prematurely called. It's yet to be proven that today's snow day was not prematurely made. Now, it snowed a little bit. But it didn't give you seven, eight inches of snow. It didn't do that. But some people are like, shoot, I ain't going to chance it. Because, you know, it could snow right now. Then it don't. And it's like, okay. Fine. Great. Whatever that looks like. And you just got to say, I don't know. I have no idea what I'm going to do. If it's going to do this, if it's not going to do this. And it's like, okay. I believe and I'm trusting the process, right? We're going to trust the process and walk by faith. But it's hard for some people who, as I said, people like me, we like to pray and, and wait. We're waiting on the Lord. We're waiting on that sign, right? And you're like, okay. I got to see what I'm going to do. And you're like, all right, here we go. I'm just going to wait. And then some people are like, "Mm mm-mm. Yeah, I'm going to pray, but I got to make a decision. It's like, wait a minute, do you? Do you really? And it's like, are you going to wait or you're not? And shout out to a sister friend Who's a beautiful spirited person. Affectionately. We know her as Lola. One thing I can say. That she'll say. When things get tough. Whether it's something that you gotta. Wait on God. Or you gotta make a decision. She'll say do you trust do you trust God I'm like yes okay then what you worried about and people that walk with faith such as people like Lola it's kind of like hey I prayed about it I told God about it I'm I'm done with it he gonna handle it from there then you got those other people that's like "Uh, I don't know right I don't know when do you really think about it? Growing up, although I didn't... I didn't really understand anything. I never heard that, sight, that saying, I should say. We're going to walk by faith growing up as a child. And if I did, I probably didn't know what they were talking about because children were different in my era. Truly different. And we just did. It wasn't that we didn't trust the process. We I we just did. You learn to pray and you just said okay. We'll see what's going to happen. And we just proceeded. And we didn't know even know what we were looking for as children, right? We didn't know. We just doing we, you, you, we were taught to pray and people would say if you believe God gonna take care of it just know that he is gonna do it in his own time and then you would hear people say you know God will show up right on time not your time but his time and then I, I learned at an early age that our time is not God's time so that really meant back then without them saying it that you trust in the process without saying that. You trust in that he's gonna give you what you need right when you need it. You ever been hungry, and you might have been low on funds or lacking funds and things of that are nature, and then deciding, man, I really, I'm hungry. You and prayed, you and told God, like, Lord, I'm so hungry, but um. Money is funny right now, so I'm gonna do this or I gotta do that, and and you 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 just knew like you know I'll figure it out, and then somebody said hey you, you wanna go to lunch, I my treat, I wanna go to lunch today but I don't really wanna dip out on my own, want some company today, or hey I'm ordering takeout, but I can't go pick it up, I buy you fly. And I remember the first time somebody told me that I buy you fly And it really Was one of those Moments where funds were low I was young And it was like dang I'm hungry I forgot my lunch at home Alright lord And then somebody said hey Teresa It's gonna be a busy day today If I order lunch I'll get your lunch too If you go pick it up, and then it was thrown the term, "I buy you fly," and I didn't understand because I was young. First time I heard that from someone, I'm like, "You buy, I fly." What, What? You go get it. I got you. It's like, oh, okay. And then I would get in my car and say, "Lord, thank you." They had no idea, Lord, that I was sitting here hungry, but I told you and you heard me and you use man to make my belly full so it was just like okay okay alright Lord I see how this works and you'd be like alright but as I got older it was just like okay I'm gonna just trust the process and I'm gonna let God do what God gonna do that only he can do So, I learned. I ain't gonna say about. I ain't gonna say I learned by the hard way. I learned by faith to trust the process. But that came with developing faith, trusting God, developing the relationship. It really did, because often oftentimes we're. Dealing with situations and circumstances where we feel like... Uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know. But I just decided I'm going to pray about it. And I ain't going to worry. God knows our heart. He already knows what's going to happen. Before it happens, right? You know that saying. God already knew. Like, it ain't like God... I'm surprised as you. I'm just as surprised as you are. Really? No. He knew that you were coming into this world. He knew what you were going to come against. He knew what was going to come against you. He also knew what he gave you in your spiritual backpack to armor yourself with. Some of us walk around with a backpack on and it's heavy because God equips us. But some of us we don't take our backpacks off we just carry it because we look at it as like it's a part of your outfit daily but we have tools in our backpacks spiritual tools to deal with worldly situations and we have to learn to use them one of my biggest tools in my backpack is my prayer my ability to pray And understand that what's going to happen is going to happen regardless. I think one of the most difficult times that I can recall was stepping out on faith and trusting God to do what only God could do. In the season when my father was in that last season of life. I think that was one of the toughest times that I can recall that I had to step out on faith and shout out to my cousin, Bobby Inez, one of my first cousins, love her son, my cousin, my second cousin, he my second cousin, Todd, but my cousin Bobby Inez was very instrumental in that season of my father's last stages of life here on earth. And I remember when my father entered hospice. It was a very difficult time. It was a very difficult time. A very heartbreaking time. Despite the strained relationship my father and I had off and on through our life. I loved my father. My father, I know, loved me. But there were a lot of missing pieces that I didn't discover was missing until I became a full-blown adult. Some things, some pieces of the puzzle broke my heart because I wasn't aware that they even set looking like that in my life. I didn't know. I just knew some things didn't quite fit right. But I didn't know until life let me learn about it. But I can take solace and I can say in my heart and out loud and transparently, 100% that my father and I made peace. And I know for a fact we did. Prior to my father entering hospice and I'll go back to where my cousin Bobby Inez was very instrumental. I remember visiting my father one day after work at the hospital, which was probably days before he entered hospice. And my father was just looking at me. He was laying on his side with his hands under his head. You know how you lay on your side, your hands under your head, comfortable. And he was just looking at me. I was watching TV and talking with him, but he was quiet, and I realized he was looking at me. I said, Daddy, what you looking at? Why you looking at me like that? He said, oh, baby, nothing. He said, I'm just thinking. I said, what you thinking? He said, I'm thinking how, after all we have been through, we still have love. And I said, Oh yeah, well you know what dad No matter what I know that you Were the best father you knew how to be To me and my sister Victoria You were the best father you knew how to be There's no blueprint for it And my grandfather His father Was a different kind of person So My dad Was dad No matter what. Did I used to wish he was a different kind of dad? Yeah, there were seasons in my life where I I wish my dad was a different dad. I wish my dad was that dad that picked me up from school, dropped me off to school. You know, um, came to activities, events. Growing up, my dad never seen me graduate from no level of school elementary middle school hell high school didn't even come see me graduate from college and I used to wish that he did that he wanted to be there like that that you know you got people fathers I would watch they have these amazing relationships or they would just show up. Even if they didn't have a real strong relationship, their dad would be there. And I'd look out and wonder. Like, you know, my dad would always know. And my dad would say, if I can if I can make it from work, you know. My dad was a cab driver most of my life. And so my dad, that's one of those, if you don't work, you don't eat, right? And my dad drove a cab 24 hours a day. There was no Uber and Lyfts car services like that right they were cabs and my dad and my aunt Ruth shout out to my aunt Ruth who's in heaven as well they were cab drivers and they at one point I think my auntie drove for Metropolitan Cab and my dad drove for uh, checker cab and then at the end of their career as cab drivers they both drove for checker cab so, I understood my dad would be at the airport just sitting out there waiting on people to come out in the cab line. I understood that my dad, there used to be a time in downtown Detroit at the Renaissance Hotel, the, the Westin, underneath the, the uh, structure where you actually enter the hotel and exit. There was a line of cabs that sat out there. my dad used to be one of those people that sat out there because those folks that stayed at the hotels whether they were staying local and needed a ride or they were businessmen and a lot of time they were businessmen that flew in and they stayed at the western downtown Detroit because it's a beautiful property and it's off the water and all those great things so I, I grew up to I understood it that don't mean I liked it but I still wish my dad was one of those dads right? and at a season in my life when I was a young girl before my sister was born my dad would take me to the movies on Saturdays and make jokes like you, you'd be like oh dad can you take me to the movies and he's like can I make time and take you and prop you up on my coat and you'd be sitting in the theater I bought you your popcorn and your drink and I'll look over and you sleep and he said I would just look at you like she begged me to take her to the movies and she sound asleep and I could say as much as I wanted to be a daddy's girl, I used to I thought I was a daddy's girl, right? I thought I was Daddy's girl. So, as I got older, our relationship became different. The time wasn't provided for me for my father because he was busy, busier than usual, when well, my dad missed out on a lot. And I just looked at it because it was like a norm. Like, you know what? Well, I know my dad would be here if he could. At least I thought that. Right? I thought that. Like, well, he'd be here if he could be here, but I understand he can't be here. Right? And then, fast forwarding to the last stage of his life, we sat there in the hospital room and he said what he said. And then I said, well, you know, God, you know, dad, I know that. You were the best father you knew how to be to me. And I forgive you like you forgive me. So it's fine. We're here now. We're, we're we, you know, it's, it's good. I'm, you know, I'm here by your side because I love you. You're my father. And you're going to be okay. You know, you just, it was, to me, it was one of those, it's just a little season gotta go in at the hospital get tested all these things and at that time I didn't know now you know how the older generation sometimes do they know they're ill they got sicknesses and they don't want to worry us so they don't tell us but at that time I had no idea my dad had cancer didn't know right took him to plenty of doctor's appointments never went back with him though he, I'd wait in the lobby while he would go to his appointments for those times when he needed me to take him. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, everything is good. I got to get my medication. Okay. But never said, you know, they say I got cancer. Never knew. He didn't go to no chemo and all that. Nah, nah. So I don't even know if my dad knew at that time, prior to, you know. And so, fast forwarding a week or two later, my dad, they told me, I remember, you know, um, we need to, your dad, we discovered after we ran tests and things that your father has stage four of cancer. And I'm looking at them like, what the hell are you talking about? My dad doesn't have cancer. Right? And they said, you know, um, there's really nothing at his age. His health. There's really nothing we could really do for him. Except make him comfortable. And I learned. For sure. At that season of my dad's life. When the hospitals talk about. We just going to make him comfortable. That means they gave up on you. They gave up on your life for you. There's nothing else we can do. Except make you comfortable. Now let me tell you. After my father. I realized that. 100% there's nothing else mankind could do as far as doctors and nurses are concerned but that's when you activate your faith you tap into your faith world you tap into your prayer circle you tarry and you worry but you tarry and you pray and then you reach out to prayer warriors who you trust will pray because they're going to pray for you and they going to pray with you. You trusted the process. And when they said that, they said, we're going to move your dad down to hospice. You can go down and visit, you know, the unit. You know, but it's one of the best in the metro area. And we'll take good care of your father. And now, I wasn't in the room with my dad. They caught me in the hall to tell me this. And uh, I, didn't re- I didn't really know how to process that. Because I did understand that nine times out of ten, when you go into hospice, you're not coming back. Now, there's a rare case. My pastor, shout out to Pastor Harvey Carey, that's what they told him. There's nothing else we could do. They sent him to hospice, and as he would say, to die. But his wife, shout out to First Lady Nancy, that ain't what we doing. We're going to pray, and he's not going to die. My husband's not going to die. She had faith. She knew who God was. She had a relationship with him. And my pastor was one of those people that left hospice. Not only did he leave hospice, and he was in a season where he couldn't walk and very weak, he came out stronger. And he's living his life right now for God. But my dad... I went in and told him, I said, dad, you know, they're going to move you downstairs and you're going to have your own room and, um, they're going to make you comfortable. And, you know, it was late that night. I said, and after work tomorrow, I'll be up here to visit you. You know, my dad loved the ladies, right? I said, no, don't be in here flirting with these women, giving them a hard time. He said, oh, baby, I ain't going to give them a hard time. And he told me, he said, hey, uh, his phone wrong. Hand me my phone. And it was my cousin, Bobby Inez. He was talking to her. And then he said, baby, I love you too, because my dad was one of them people. He loved his family. You know, no matter what, through the good, through the bad, through the dark, through the light, he loved his family. And so, he said, I love you too. So my cousin must have said she loved him, you know, and they did that on my dad's side, you know. I took his phone, hung it up. I said, okay, dad, I love you, I'ma see you tomorrow. He said, okay, baby. He said, I'ma here and watch my TV. He laid there, crossed his legs, you know how he crossed your feet. Had his hands behind his head, was watching TV. And I walked out like, okay. And I thought like, dang. All right, Lord. We gonna see how this looks, right? went home prayed went to bed got up went to work you know was looking forward to seeing how things looked in hospice for my dad it was in the same hospital where he was so it was just a couple of floors down on the hospital side and um, or I should say a couple of floors up when I was walking in it was uh, a nurse, and I was like, uh, I was at the nurse station. And I was like, you know, I'm trying to find out what room my father is in. My father's, you know, Kenneth Baker. And she said, we were just getting ready to call you. And I was like, why? What's going on? And they said, you know, when we moved him down last night, he had a rough night. And so we made him comfortable, and he'd just been resting. So when I went back there, my dad was asleep. I'm like, hmm, I'm talking to him, you know, praying, talking to him, and stay for a while. I thought, well, he'll wake up, and we'll talk, and um, he didn't wake up. He was still sleeping, though, so I informed my family, my sister, dad is in hospice, you know, he's doing okay. He's resting. He's tired. But the next couple days, I would go up. He wasn't coming out of that sleep. And he was, you know, on a oxygen machine that was helping him breathe. And so, I realized that, you know, that machine was really keeping him here. And then, you know, they had him on morphine for pain. I I realized later in life that, and I, you know, I had another cousin that passed away a couple years ago. She didn't want that. She actually was in a hospital and she battled cancer. Beautiful cousin. Beautiful. Kind. And her and I I think it was the last two years of her life we kind of created our own relationship from a simple phone call. She shared with me that she was not well going through tests and trying to narrow it down what's going on and And I share with her that I was at that time recently diagnosed with lupus and was in denial. I was in denial with lupus, but I said, that's what they say. And I still say that to this day. I'm not in denial, but I said, they say I got lupus, right? I call it the ill girl, you know? And so she said, cause no matter what's going on in our family, you know, I don't get into all of that. I love you and you my cousin. So people are going to be people. You just got to love people where they at. I never heard this cousin ever cuss. I never heard her get angry. I never saw her. I never saw her treat anybody different, despite what could have been said, what could have been going on. When I saw her in person, she was always the same cousin loving and kind gentle spirited beautiful inside beautiful outside she had the (laughs) she had the most beautiful temples they were deep beautiful temples beautiful brown eyes and so we had agreed that we would just check in we check in on each other if we didn't hear from each other just just check in you know and we did that that's something we did and so when she was in her last, her last stage of life and she was in the hospital and I got wind of it from my cousin Bobby Inez despite some family dysfunctional issues that I was experiencing with some of my family my cousin Bobby Inez said listen no matter what we family people gonna be people but this is your cousin and tomorrow's not promised baby you go and see about her cause you have your own relationship with her you go and see her so I said okay I prayed on it cause I didn't want to I didn't want to encounter no riffraff and negative energy and vibes and I didn't want to bring it in my presence I didn't want it to upset anybody and I didn't want anybody's presence to upset mine but I said it's not about me it's not about people It's about my cousin, this particular cousin. So I picked up my cousin, Bobby Inez. She said, we could ride together. I love my cousin, Bobby Inez. Very loving, kind, too. Beautiful spirit. Beautiful inside and out. So I picked her up. We talked. We laughed We you know, kicked it. And so drove down, got there. And uh, when I walked in, she prepared me. She said she lost a lot of weight, sweetheart. And uh, she said, but she's still your cousin. And I'm like, okay, you know, she, she tried to prepare me. And when I walked in, yeah, my cousin had lost a lot of weight. And so it was just like, okay, she was talking and making jokes that our cousin Todd was making jokes. And, you know, my cousin Todd is hilarious and funny. And uh, also a cousin that's unbiased, loving. He a big cousin to me, but just always been that cousin that's no matter what people going to say and do. We family, right? Just love him. He's, he's just one of those cousins like that. So she was telling us about when he came up to visit her and the jokes and, and her jokes. And she laughing through it all. And then I, she got to a point where she was, you know, and you could tell she was in pain. And so the nurse came in and uh, one of my other cousins was like, you know, is there anything you could give her? She seems to be in a lot of pain. And that nurse said she probably is in pain. She said, because she wouldn't allow us to give her anything. And we looked at her, and she said, but I understand why. She said, I'm going to tell you but I understand. She said, baby, you didn't want no medicine, because typically when we give people medicine, we give them a high level of pain medication, morphine, and it makes them incoherent. It, It just lets them rest where... They hear you, but they don't really respond because they're so tired. She said, you're afraid of that, aren't you? And my cousin said, yeah. She said, I don't want you to suffer, sweetheart. She said, let me give you just enough that will bring you a little bit of comfort where you don't have to be to a level 10 because if you climb to a level 10, no matter what we do for you, we won't be able to stop your pain. So my cousin agreed, and she brought her in the medicine, and she was cool. I, I got the chance to move out of my chair where I was sitting and sit with her and hold her hand and rub her hair. And she said, I smell your perfume. I said, is it too much? You know, I'm like, oh, shoot. She said, no, I like it. I was like, oh, okay. And I was sitting there while she was talking and laughing and all my cousins were all laughing and talking putting our own differences to the side or don't even know why the differences are there but we put them to the side and loved on our cousin which was my cousin you know Um, and I was quietly crying because I didn't know how much time my cousin had left I knew she was concerned. She had two children, and um, it was very difficult. You know, she said, uh, "I know that they'll be taken care of." You know, she said, "But I worry about my oldest." You know, I know my youngest will be okay. And she said, "He, you know, he came up here and he's been drawing artwork." And she had one of his pieces on the wall. And, and I thought about her children and I I knew that, I didn't know when, but I knew that she wasn't going to be leaving that hospice center. You know, like I knew back then a couple years ago that my father wasn't going to be leaving his hospice center. And I brought both stories up to say, trust in the process. You pray. And you know that God's got it. And your prayer changes. But my cousin was one of those beautiful, spirited people. You know, uh, I learned later on that she told my cousin, Bobby Inez, that um, that she was going to get her wings. She knew it. And... I knew definitely, because I'm a believer that we leave this life and go to heaven or hell. That's my personal belief. I knew in my heart that that particular cousin was going definitely to heaven. I know that's where she is. So, said that, shared that, Trust in the process, right? Said that. Okay, that was good years ago my father had passed a couple years prior to her and uh, I was going through the praying you know and of course you trust in the process but it's difficult and if you've ever been in that position where your parent, father or mother, your spouse husband or wife your child son or daughter are in that last season in her life, you pray. All you can do is pray. And so my cousin Bobby Inez said, Baby, I want to talk to you. I said, Okay. She said, Let's step on the other side into the family room. I said, okay. She said, I know this is difficult. Watching your dad, my uncle, later. It's difficult for me. Because we know that's not Uncle Mason we know you know that's not your dad she said but baby while we praying and that's what we going to continue to do she said i need you to change your prayer i said i don't understand she said let me tell you so she shared the story about her father now i never got to meet my cousin's father because when i was born now this is my first cousin so my cousin Bobby Inez is older she said she had to go through some things where her father had to go through some things and it was told to her that she had to change her prayer. Cause she was praying like, you know, uh, you know, we need my father. And, you know, she said, my father and my mother had a beautiful relationship. And, you know, they just, you know, our dad was like everything and, She said she was praying while her dad was in the hospital, her mother going back and forth to the hospital. And one of her relatives, I can't remember if it was an aunt or if it was a a cousin, I can't remember who she said, told her that, baby, you got to change your prayer. And they explained to her, you got to trust God because God is in control. And she went on to talk about that. And she said, so when you pray to God for your father, I need you to just let him know that you are okay. And you just want his will to be done. And you request that he doesn't suffer and that he's in peace and that he is comforted. And so I was like, okay, as I'm crying, as she's talking to me and she starts to pray with me, holding my hands and praying with me in in that family room. And so I went on, you know, the days following and I had to change my prayer. And I, I felt at first like, well, I'm giving up on my dad. If I just say, let your will be done have your way bring him comfort bring him peace see I knew my father was even though he was on pain medication sometimes even though he was asleep he would moan in what seemed to be agony and that broke my heart at that season in his life because as much as I wanted my dad to stay he wasn't he wasn't staying in his best self his quality of life was at zero and the machines was helping him stay and so my faith changed my prayer changed I trusted the process and in life ladies and gentlemen boys and girls we come to a point and now and this wasn't a sad episode today this is my truth and we all gonna go down this road. No matter who you are, I promise you, whether it's your with your parent, with your sibling, with your relative, or with a friend, if you love on them and you outlive them, you will end up having to change your prayer while you're praying for their strength and them to get better. And when you realize if when that time comes, because we all have an exit date. No one's going to live forever. We are going to leave this life. I pray that we all leave in peace and that it's not violently, that it's natural, that we, we're, we're, we're not in pain and suffering. And if we are, that is limited. And God will bring us comfort. The angels assigned to us will bring us comfort and joy as we get ready to make that transition. But when you are in that stage, and some of you may be in it right now, you might have just had to go through laying a loved one, a friend to rest. And it's been difficult. I just want to encourage you to trust the process. If you are at a job and you are at a crossroad where you're unhappy and things are not right, pray. Because God hears you. He sees it. He knows. And trust your process. If you're dealing with a difficult relationship and it's one of those, you know you need to leave, but you you don't quite know how to leave it. It's difficult. Pray and trust the process. If you're going through something right now with your child or children, with relatives or friends, your neighbor, heck, right? Pray and trust the process. I promise you, he will not let you down. It's already written what is going to happen in our book of life every day. We just don't know. We are sometimes shocked. We are sometimes like, oh my God, right? Everything happens in divine order. Everything. Not some things, but everything. And if you don't know what everything means, Google it. Look in your dictionary. You'll learn. But you got to learn to trust the process, ladies and gentlemen. Whatever it is, whether I don't know what your faith walk is, if you are a praying person, increase your faith by increasing your prayer. Some people say, I don't know how to pray. My husband and I, we talk about that quite often. We come from a church of praying people, our Father in heaven has charged us with a man of God who is just a man, as he would tell you. He's not holier than thou. He's not perfect. He don't claim to know it all. He just walks by faith every day. But he knows that he is accountable for our growth. And although I haven't been in my church in the physical form in quite a minute, I've tap in virtually because when we were entering and really going through the beginning of the pandemic, y'all know we were virtual and a lot of things and I've gotten so comfortable.